to MimiPierceDesigns.com, the podcast. And now, here's Mimi Pierce. Hello, friends. Mimi Pierce of Mimi Pierce Designs, the podcast. Spring is in full bloom. Wow. Last week was just spectacular here in Indiana. Those buds that are blooming and the change of the season. But unfortunately, we also had a change in our family. Last Tuesday, uh, Jim's father, my father-in-law, lost his two-year battle with leukemia. We have talked about before, Jim moved a lot in his life. Um, When I talked to him on one of my podcasts and his parents had just moved, um, they'd been in St. Augustine for 22 years and decided it was time to move closer to us, back to their roots, back to Indiana. So a couple of years ago, they packed up an RV and they headed uh, towards Indiana, but they had to make a stop, an emergency stop. Uh, my father-in-law was very ill and they had to rush him to Emory Hospital in Atlanta. We received from a doctor a call from a doctor in Atlanta saying that Jim needed to get there and his brother needed to get there, that their dad probably was not going to make it through the night. So Jim hops on a plane, Joe gets there, they walk in, um, his dad does not look well at all and they diagnose him with leukemia, he had some internal bleeding and he really wasn't expected to make it through the night. He saw his boys They did some of their comedy, of course, which is their best medicine. And he just all of a sudden just, you know, not that he was cured just like that, but things started turning. And eventually he was well enough and stable enough that Jim and Joe packed up their mom and dad in their RV and they headed towards Indiana. Jim's mom and dad had rented a place at the point in Bloomington, which this kind of comes full circle because they had lived at the point a couple of different locations. As we remember, they moved a lot um, and they had already rented a place. So they were headed to Bloomington, Indiana, to the point on Lake Monroe. So they moved in there, got settled. Jerry was starting to feel better, doing much better. And we were scheduled to go down in August. That was in March. And, you know, we had seen him several times, but we were going down for Jim's dad's birthday in August. And so we called, said, we're coming down. They said, oh, we have to tell you something. We said, what? We moved. Again? And didn't tell us. So they moved to another spot, a little closer into town, Bloomington, where my father-in-law could be closer to hospitals and so they had made that move well it didn't stop there um about a month month and a half ago they had mentioned you know about moving again just needing a smaller place and we really were trying to get them closer uh to us and wow you know trying to find housing for the elderly it's tough um you know they're not quite ready for assisted living because um Overall, they were pretty active people, 83, 84 years old, and still pretty active despite uh, my father-in-law's diagnosis. So we were trying to get them closer to us just so that, you know, we could help with appointments and getting them to the doctor, getting them places. But in their fine little moving fashion, they just couldn't wait. They were impatient. And they decided uh, they got a little place in downtown Nashville. Now, here's the thing. They had lived in two different homes in Nashville. In fact, one of them was a fixer-upper. And we always say, you know, they were a fixer-upper 
long before Fixer Upper even existed. They were fixing up homes and were well ahead of their time. So they had lived in a couple of different locations, pretty locations, Brown County, downtown. And so they found this great place, has a nice front porch on it. And so we went down Easter weekend. That was their first weekend there to help them unpack boxes, um, got their front porch cleared off. And I mean, Brown County was hopping because it was springtime. It was um, spring break for a lot of schools. So the streets were just buzzing. So it had this great feel about it. And I thought, okay, they're, they're going to be okay here. You know, people will be walking up and down the streets. They have this beautiful porch. I'm going to get it fixed up for them. Uh, you know, it's going to be pretty and they're going to enjoy sitting out here. Well, we got all the boxes cleared. In fact, they did come out in the afternoon. That was Saturday, I believe, and sat out on that porch. And it just looked so good. But I could tell Jerry he was digressing. He, his coloring did not look well. He seemed very weak, had a little trouble, but he still had a sense of humor around him, around us. And so, uh, we laughed a bit and, um, that was, that was great. And we sat out there and the sunshine was just beaming down. And like I said, Brown County was buzzing. Um, Easter Sunday, I had made plans to go with my family and Jim had made reservations to take his mom and dad, uh, to a lunch over at the Brown County Inn. And, um, by Saturday night, Jerry said, you know, just take your mother. I think it'd be good for you. And it was good because Jim and his mom had some one-on-one time together just to kind of discuss things and how things were going with his dad. And they decided to bring Jerry back a meal. And this meal was huge. And he just devoured it. He loved it. And what was weird about that is he really hadn't had an appetite, but suddenly, all of a sudden, all this food just tasted good to him. And um, Jim was so happy that he was eating that meal. So time for Jim to come back home. And so he waved and off he went. And there was his dad and his mom sitting there on that porch in Brown County. Just a perfect setting for both of them. And that was Sunday, so then comes Tuesday. Jim is on the air, of course his brother's in Denver, and I will say the blessing in not having a full-time job right now is that, you know, I'm flexible. And my mother-in-law called, she was crying, she was in a panic, saying that Jerry was telling her that he was dying. I said, well, get off the phone with me and just call 911. She then was afraid She didn't know which hospital, you know, were they going to take him to Bloomington? Were they going to take him to Columbus? And I will get to it a little later on in this podcast. Um, I am so grateful. They took him to Columbus Regional Hospital in Columbus, Indiana. So I started, jumped in the car and started south and I was on 65 getting ready to exit. I was going to Nashville to pick up my mother-in-law and take her to the hospital. And she calls and she says, they say that someone needs to get there right away. And I said, all right, I will go ahead and turn here and I will go straight to the hospital. So I got to the hospital there, walked in the emergency room, was greeted by the most wonderful staff, you know, had my mask on, took my temperature, ready to go. And they took me back to the emergency room room where Jerry was. I walked in, I looked at him, he got a big smile on his face and he started to tell me, he said, I think they're going to have to do brain surgery. And I'm thinking to myself, brain surgery? And I, so I went out And I talked to the nurse and they said, you know, things aren't quite functioning right now. And, um, you know, maybe he's a little confused. Well, he wasn't confused when I went back in there because we sat down, I sat down beside him and we had a great conversation just about different things, talking about Jim, uh, talking a little bit about Corbin. And 
it was like we were just having this wonderful conversation. And then Nurse Chris came in and he told me that they were getting ready to move him up to ICU. And I said, okay. He said, give us about 30 minutes. Maybe go to your car, make some calls. We'll get him settled in ICU and then we will have you come up. So I get a call, frantic call from my mother-in-law that they have called her from ICU wondering where I am um, because apparently they said she needs to sign some papers and my mother-in-law was all nervous. And so uh, in the meantime, I called my mom and I said, could you please call Pastor Chris, our pastor from Hoosier Harvest Chris in Martinsville, Indiana. Um, And I did get some encouraging texts from him that made me a little stronger as I walked into that ICU room. I walked in and there was Jerry, um, very coherent, very able to talk to me, and this young doctor, and I mean, this doctor looked like he could be my son's age, 24. Um, His name was Dr. Chada, and he pulled me aside, and actually I'd walked right by him thinking that like, I don't know, I didn't think he was a doctor, and he pulled me aside and he said, I want to show you, you know, his EKG, his heart, you know. He's bleeding and there's just not a lot more we can do. He said, I'm sorry, you know, we just can't do anything. But in the meantime, this nurse, I later found as a nurse practitioner, Dan, he'd kind of been in and out of the room conversing. Jerry was having conversations with him. He was getting him comfortable. And um, so I pulled the doctor aside and I said, should I go get my mother-in-law? And he said, yes, you need to go get her. So I knew that I was getting ready to leave to head to Nashville, turn around and come back and bring her to the hospital. So I leaned down to Jerry and I said to him, I said, I'm going to go get Mary Lou. And he said, yeah, I know why. So he knew. And so I hopped in the car, went and got her. Uh, I was speeding on those <laughs> that road that takes you from uh, Columbus to Nashville, got her. And we came back and um, she walked in and, you know, he said hello to her and then gave it a couple of minutes. And then he said, Lou, I'm going to die tonight, you know, and you just knew that there was this feeling about him, but we were having these conversations. And so for me, you know, we're still having some pretty good conversation with him. And then the doctor came and he said, you know, I'd like to talk to your husband and your brother-in-law. So could we maybe have a conference call, you know, with your dad? And so I got them on the phone and we're all standing there and we have Dr. Chada standing to my left and Dan, the nurse, was standing kind of off to my right. And then Mary Lou was holding Jerry's hand on the other side. So I I turn um, the phone, you know, the speaker, and Jerry says that he wants to... Um, say goodbye he needs to say his goodbyes and which in a way is kind of weird because usually we don't always say goodbye when we left him and so that was a little unusual but he said you know i i just need to say goodbye to my boys and then he'd ask me um you know where where corbin was and i said well we can we can get a hold of of corbin you know he's on on the golf course and about that time he told dan the nurse yep that's my grandson he's going to be on the pga soon you know bragging doting grandfather as it may be so i i, I called in jim you you were in the other room and i wanted to call you in because I'm talking about the part that we get to your dad and just clear as day, he says to me, um, I need to say goodbye to my boys. 
And so that, you know, I got you on the phone um, and introduced you to Dr. Chada. And then Dan, you know, was behind me, the nurse. And I can tell you this whole time, it's like Dan and Jerry had known each other. He was just having conversation with Dan, asking Dan questions. And Dan was just fantastic. So then you get Joe on the phone and then you can take it from there as far as, you know, your dad. Yeah, it wasn't... uh... Yeah, uh, but we talked with uh, we talked with the doctor, and you know, he, he was pretty grim, and you know, uh, without a doubt. And uh, uh, that's when Dad said, "Hey, I want to say goodbye to the boys." And and he, I remember uh, Joe, my brother, uh, just said, "Hey, Dad." And my brother's he's not as quite as emotional as mine. You're, he, I mean, he's, he's got the heart. He's got the heart, but you're, you're but a little he, more emotional. Yes. And, and he was just t- thanking Dad for you know those times, and I've mentioned to several. I mentioned on the air, too, as a matter of fact, how dad would come home after 12, 13, 14 hours days and never uh, n- never say no to playing catch or with mm-hmm. me, never say no to playing uh, guitars. I, I told the story, too. He, uh, you know, just to go back a little bit, when I was nine, he bought me a guitar. And I really liked playing, but he didn't want me to lose the inspiration for it. So he bought a just cheap guitar for himself so we could play together. Mm-hmm. We really, really supported each other. That so anyway. That, but back to that story too. I remember Dad saying the goodbye, uh, and and I, I said, Dad, I don't do goodbyes, but I do see you later. And I said, I'll see you later, okay? And I love you. And and we went from there, and it was uh, it was pretty quick. And about this time, Doctor Chada, I've seen him kind of do a three. You know, he's out out the door, and I look out there, and he's your mom said eventually she saw him that he had a tear in his eyes but I looked back to my right and there stands Dan this nurse who we have just met maybe an hour ago and tears are just flowing down his face and I and then all of a sudden you know I started getting this feeling and I know I've I have talked about this a lot because I go back to this you know not only with your dad's passing but it also opened my eyes to all this you know, COVID-19, how we've seen nurses and doctors and hospital workers stepping up so much. And I thought to myself, there he is, you know, tears just flowing down his face. And many times, probably him and Lacey, one of the other nurses, they were the last person to see some people because their families were not allowed in in the hospital so i'm grateful that we reached to that point where um we were allowed in the hospital but it just opened my eyes to what these you know their hearts and they put their souls not only trying to do the medical things that they need to do but you know just their heart and their minds in it and you just see wow you know they they go through a lot and i just when i was driving home that night i just i really just kept thinking about them and um just the care um that he was getting like they had known him all all their life like maybe he was their grandfather and so um we moved from that and um, your dad had asked about Corbin if he could talk to Corbin so I got Corbin on the phone and it wasn't long after that you know he had a little conversation um, with your mom and then um, he started getting a little fidgety and they said we're just we're just gonna make him comfortable you know so I knew in my mind um, he looked up at me um, and he said you are an angel and that was his last words to me which were pretty special and um, and they made him comfortable. And they gave him some medication, and he just looked so peaceful. And I I will tell you though, I one part of the whole 
just the whole experience for me, um, because my father died at home in hospice care, but this hospice is a little different. I had a nurse that came in and um, she had a pamphlet with her and she was talking to me and she said, now we need to tell you your options. You know, you we can move him to a facility across the street or you, and I'm thinking to myself, I can't do this right now. I can't make decisions for for your dad. And I was it really kind of got me upset and I was trying to stay calm just in the whole situation trying to you know be in control because I knew your mother needed me to be strong for her and I'm thinking what is this all about? Why did she come in? So I went out and I said, "Dan, I said, why am I having to, you know?" And he said, "You know, they have to do that. You know, they have to come and see you in this situation." And he looked at me and I said, I just don't know that these kind of decisions. And he looked at me and he said, I don't think you're, you're not going to have to worry about making the decision. And I so appreciated that he was honest with me and that kind of put me at ease and put me at some peace in this, in this time. Um, the other thing that I battled with when, when I was there is, you know, so many times you see, you know, you know, in obituaries, you know, died with his family by his side or, you know, and for me, he was already gone. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to deprive your mom if she wanted to do that, although I didn't think she was strong enough, you know, to sit there all night long because mm-hmm. he, he still had some left in him, but it, it wasn't your dad. And, you know, he'd said his goodbyes and I just knew, and so we decided that, you know, we would leave, and I knew that he was in good hands with uh, the staff that was there um, at the Columbus Hospital, so um, so he passed uh, into early Wednesday morning, and, um, you know, it was tough. Joe got here, and um, it took me a little, a lot of coaxing to get your mom, because she wanted mm, to go back. Right. Well, she wanted to go back to the area their new place, right, you know, they, right. you know, when I look at it now, they haven't even been, they hadn't even been there a week. Within a week. <clears throat> and she really wanted to go back, but I, I just felt like she needed to be with her boys. And so I did talk her, we went and got her dog, we came back and, you know, she spent the, the night here, but boy, the next morning she, she was, <laughs> in fact, I have to laugh because she wanted to pay one of Corbin's friends. She knew Corbin had to work and she said, can I just pay, if you guys aren't going to take me home, can I just pay one of Corbin's friends just to drive me? Cause I really need to go back. And then we realized that, you know, we, did, yeah, we had, yeah. we had to respect what she needed. And so we, um. We took her back um, down to Nashville, um, you and Joe did, and actually the next day was her birthday, and so you guys took her to the farmhouse and had a nice little celebration with her, but, you know, I think of Nashville, and I've watched some of the, um, you, you guys, thank goodness, you have all these videos of your parents, and some of them that, that they took. Mm-hmm. And um, we watched one the other night of them in Brown County when they lived at Woodland Lake, and you, you said, theirs was such a love story. I mean, it was so, I mean, they didn't have to have the materialistic things. They were very into nature. In that one particular mm-hmm. video that you maybe you could talk about that you, that they were walking around the lake. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they always were just, uh, I mean, because they obviously moved a lot. But it was always <laughs> just, just them. So they were like best friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, they'd get into bickering. But when you saw the love story of them, I mean, they truly were, they were just romantic. I think I mentioned, you know, Johnny Mathis, if I heard that, go running. Uh, because, you know, there's going to be some kissing going on here that I didn't want to see as a kid. But, um, yeah, they were, they, they were, uh, they're two peas in a pod in certain ways. Um, 
But they did so many tremendous little things as far as... Uh, they, you know how we think things through so much? Let's get the thought process. Let's see, are we going to do this, do that? They did, and they just did it. Right, like uh, yeah. moving north one time. Can no, you talk yeah, about yes. that? Well, that and the, yeah, the the, uh, the horse farm that they had up there with the chickens and goats. And they had no idea what it was. You know, They had no qualifications for it, but they learned it. Uh, a food truck, they, they said, we're going to do this food truck thing. And uh, about 20 years too early on that because right, they did now it. they're everywhere. Yeah, and it was, you know, then it was just going to carnivals and state fairs and county fairs and that was all you could do with it. But uh, so they were always innovative, but they always did it together. And also, too, I'm going to mention too that uh, the two of the grandkids, because dad did not want anybody to be in there uh, during that. So uh, I know Taylor, I called her and uh, she said, I, I can't get there in time, dad. I can't. I said, no, you're not going to have to. I said, so if you call, you can, but it was too late by then. And, and Lily, to his, his uh, Joe's his daughter, daughter uh, didn't get the information because it went pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so just to make sure that you know everybody was in on that as well. But uh, I mean, they, they they were amazing, and Dad is just amazing, uh, as we have to do now, which everybody has to do, is now you got to worry about Mom, right? Because now it's the first time she's been alone without Dad for. 65 years. Yeah. And that's the marriage. The dating was even longer. You right, know? right. Uh, so when you make that kind of change, you know it's going to be tough. But uh, she's doing okay. And I also, too, since I got this second here, I'm holding on to the mic. Uh, I can't thank you, Mimi, enough for what you did. There, there's People have different strengths and people have different weaknesses. And, and I have my strengths. Uh, but you, you came to life that day <laughs> as far as I, I know you didn't want to do it. But to go down there and take charge, because, I mean, I was on the air at the time, and I really didn't know what to do. I mean, I've, usually mm-hmm. I have an answer for something, right. but I didn't have an answer for that. And, well, and, I was, and I was, I, I can't I was glad. I was glad. You know, I, I actually walked down to the chapel a couple of times, mm-hmm. and I just knew that God was with me when I was, you know, praying in that chapel, because I think we were all praying for peace for Jerry, and just knew that he he was ready, and so um, doesn't make it any easier. But um, I I was glad that I, I was there and and um, was there for your mom and all of you. Um, so um, I also was thinking back to your mom and dad. You were talking about you know how they got something in their mind. I mean there was always something. I I always remember. Then all of a sudden they were into boating. They wanted a boat, so they had they bought a boat on Lake Monroe. You know for Lake Miss Taylor, the Miss Taylor. You know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they got in their mind that they were going to go sailing. And when they lived in Florida, they were going to sail to the Florida well, Keys. Oh, they were or, going to Bimini. But now Dad was a sailor; he knew how to do it. Yeah, he'd yeah, grown yeah, up on yeah, 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 up they, north they on the lakes the in dreams. Michigan. I mean, what great dreams they yeah. had! You know, I mean, and they they tried to pursue them the best the best that they you, could. You tell so, the story with the toll bridge or the bridge wouldn't. The you need to tell that story. Yeah, they, they, they radioed ahead, but they had a shift change, and there's a drawbridge there in St. Augustine. They're trying to, you know, a sailboat had the mast up, can't get through there unless the drawbridge is up. Well, they had a shift change, so they're circling and circling. And they have a dog circling. on board that needs to get off and go potty. Right, and now, <laughs> now the tides have changed. So they finally get through there, and, you know, he had the tides adjusted, but now they've run aground in the tide. So Yeah. One of the many adventures. Yeah, yeah. Jerry and Mary Lou. Um, and then just a couple of your fondest. I mean, I know you have so many fond memories of, of your parents, but your dad, give me a couple of your fondest memories of him. Wow, there's just so many. Like I mentioned, Christmas time was always special. Dad liked to smoke, smoke a uh, pipe, so he'd have the pipe going, but he decorated just big time. Always loved to oh. decorate for Christmas. And I think he kind of taught me. 
a little bit about decorations and lighting. Uh, they, you know, the um, him going out and well, playing guitar with me, sitting there. We'd sit there for hours and we'd record. Glenn Campbell, I wish I had wasn't this. it? Glenn Campbell. Yeah, the other stuff. night you had to. Yep. You were um, reminiscing we, and we, had Glenn Campbell on. So. Listen, to that just uh, you know, fishing and and, and sports and. Um, I mean, he, there were just so many things. We don't have time in this podcast mm-hmm, right. uh, to get into it. But it was, uh, I mean, he just, he was always there for me. He was a tough guy, but just so soft and so gentle. Oh, and just a, just a kind man. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one thing somebody said. He was just a kind guy. He always had kind of a gruff look on his face, but he had a heart of gold. I mean, he, especially with animals and Oh, and, 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 and he all loved that, uh, his animals. Yeah, and, yeah uh, definitely. Uh, I, I couldn't have had a better dad. I, I was, certainly was blessed when they I, they said, hey, we're going to give you to this dad. And I'm like, great, because he didn't have a dad. So right. he had to learn it on his own. Man, he could he, he got his PhD. He did a pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. And, and I know this morning when you were on the radio, you just reminded folks, you know, because Sunday nights were your time, um, usually at 7 o'clock. I mean, you spoke to your dad during the week, too. But Sunday night was kind of your special time with your dad. And, you know, last night was Sunday night. Yeah. And um, it was it was tough for you because, you know, he wasn't there. Sunday night I call and go, Papa Bear! Right. So, and, uh, so just remember to call your parents. If you think yeah. you're too busy to call mom and dad, um, just, just take time to do that. So rest in peace, Jerry. And... 